We Will Not Be Tamed, a Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation podcast that encourages all Texans to get involved in conserving the wild things and wild places of our state. I'm Lydia Saldana of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, and we're sitting on the porch today with Erica Thompson with Texas Bee Works, also a We Will Not Be Tamed ambassador. Erica, thank you for letting us hang out on your porch today. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you all so much for coming, and thank you for you know having me as an ambassador. I'm so proud yeah. to be with y'all. Yeah. It's a, oh, can I say, it's a beautiful day. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see how many uh, of those puns I can work into this <laughs> podcast. But you know what, Erica, set the stage first. Tell us a little bit about your place. Yeah, I live on five acres right on the Colorado River. I'm about 25 minutes due east of Austin, and I've lived out here for about a year. I live in a little pink house uh, that was actually moved from Hyde Park, which is uh, an old historic part of central Austin and I just love it out here you know um, I feel so lucky to live sort of in the country but close enough to Austin and Elgin and Bastrop but also be able to keep bees on the property I've got about 40 or 50 active beehives um, and it's great you know I couldn't be happier I love living out here and I'm just so thankful that we found this place and had the opportunity to share it with y'all you, you really are living the dream I mean, you've, you've loved beekeeping. You, you did something else for a while, I know. So tell me about your journey to become a full-time beekeeper as your way of making a living. Well, I mean, first of all, I just think that, you know, I'm the luckiest person to have found something that I truly love to do. Also that I can make money doing. Um, to have found that early in life and now to be able to say I'm a full-time professional beekeeper it's just the greatest gift. It's completely changed my life and the way that I look at the world to be able to wake up and do something I love every day. But, um, you know, I didn't always start out here, of course. Uh, growing up, I loved bugs. It's just what I was into. And um, I spent a lot of time in my backyard, you know, collecting insects and putting them in a jar. And I, th I think I was trying to keep them as pets. And I think that probably stemmed from I was a big animal lover and my mom just wouldn't let me have pets. So um, I lobbied hard for anything from a hamster to a puppy. And um, so I think, you know, I would go into my backyard and collect bugs and try to keep them. And that didn't always work out too well, but it led to a lifelong fascination with insects. And about 10 years ago, I saw the opportunity to take a beekeeping class. And I took that class with absolutely no intention of being a beekeeper. I lived in central Austin in a very small back yard the size of a postage stamp and I didn't think that it was possible for me to keep bees there but I wanted to learn more about bees as a species so I took this class and I walked away just fascinated with everything I learned about bees so I wanted to learn more I started to read books watch videos online and decided to start my first hive the next spring and I started my first hive in my backyard in central Austin and um, you know as my obsession grew, so did my hive count. And a friend kindly offered some space for me to keep hives on their land. And so I started a second location and um, it's you just grown from a there. Bit. Your neighbors, how did your neighbors react to you having hives in your backyard? You know, Austin is such a, a green place and a lot of environmentally minded people and everybody was very receptive to it um, and very open to it. So. You know, we were lucky to have some really great neighbors, but um, it wasn't the best place to keep bees. And so I eventually moved that hive and, um, 
you know, went from one hive to two to four to now I have over 150 hives in five counties across central Texas. So you have them on different people's land? I do. A lot of what I do is I keep bees for people who want bees on their property but don't necessarily want to be beekeepers themselves. Okay. So I'll place my hives on other people's property and I'll manage and maintain those colonies for an annual fee. And sometimes the reason folks want bees on their property to, is to qualify for an agricultural valuation to use their land for agricultural reasons. Um, and you know that's how I started my business was by keeping bees for other people and it was also something that just made me a better beekeeper to be able to keep more hives in more places and to see how bees react to different places and environments um, and just to keep more hives was was such a blessing and allowed me to grow as a beekeeper more than ever before. You mentioned the ag exemption and I, I did as I told you before I did a little research <laughs> on the way from Fort Worth to Austin yesterday or to Elgin yesterday and um, I, I guess I didn't realize that there was an ag exemption. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah you know in 2011 um, the great state of Texas added bees to the list of things that could qualify folks for uh, you know an agricultural valuation on their land if they use some of their space for agricultural practices so 2012 was the first year folks could qualify um, for this valuation and you know it's a good thing for property owners it's great for beekeepers but what I really want to tell people is it's amazing for bees. There's more bees all across Central Texas than ever before because of this, and I think there's more of an interest in beekeeping and people learning about bees because of this opportunity. Okay, so landowners can have a SAG exemption, but they don't necessarily, at least on the outset, right, they don't necessarily want to get actively involved with taking care of the bees. Sometimes, you know, sometimes property owners want to be beekeepers and want to do all the work themselves, and I think that's great, but a lot of times people just want to turn key service where, you know, they can allow their space to be used uh, to keep bees, but don't necessarily want all the maintenance and hard work and, you know, uh, physical so, manual labor. So do I get labor. to call you a bee bee sitter? <laughs> Okay, that's two. <laughs> that's a first. That that's a good it's one a though. I like that. But but it's more than just sitting. It's very active. I mean, oh, there's absolutely. things you have to do. And um, you know, the other thing I was thinking about earlier is as you know, I, I read about you, and as I've been talking about this and learning myself about it, because um, my husband has has a beehive. We just got a beehive this year, and we're learning more about it pretty much every day. And uh, I know he's. He's sitting here monitoring this podcast, and I know he's enjoyed this as well, learning as we go. Um, but it, it seems like people really get into learning about it, and it reminds me of the situation with bats mm. about 30 years ago, and people didn't know a lot about bats. They feared them. They thought they were things to be scared of, and because of the work of Bat Conservation International and people like Merlin Tuttle, it kind of changed the view of, of, of toward bats. And when I see your social media presence, I'm thinking, you know what, Erica's doing, you're the ambassador for the bees too. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Lydia. Yeah, it's it's a great honor and I feel such a sense of responsibility to the beekeeping community, but also to the bees themselves to be a good ambassador for bees. You know, I think people do and probably should have a healthy fear of these creatures. Um, you know, if you get stung by a bee, for some people it can mean a very mild reaction, for some people it can be much more severe, and some people are, you know, deathly allergic to one bee sting. So I think that as humans we should have an innate fear of bees. But in general, most bees don't want to sting you. And if I can show people that, you know, you don't have to be afraid of bees and that you can live 
alongside bees very peacefully in that, you know, you don't have to swat at every bee you see. She's just out doing the in work fact, that don't she... don't do that, right? Don't do that. <laughs> if you see a bee, that's the number one thing is just don't swat at it. I always just tell people to leave it be, you know. Um, she's out doing her work and she doesn't want to bother you. And, uh, you know, if, if you do get stung by a bee, you should remove the stinger immediately and go to a safe area. But, you know, in general, you don't have to be afraid of bees. And if you find a hive or a colony, call a beekeeper, get some direction, figure out what you need to do and if that hive should be relocated. Okay. So you do a lot of bee removals too? Mm, yes. And, and I guess that's better than the what it used to be, which is people would just eradicate the bees, right? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people don't even realize that if they have a colony of bees living in a place where they don't necessarily want them to build, they don't need to call an exterminator. There are people like me who wake up every morning waiting for those calls, and, you know, it's very exciting to get that call and to be able to remove a healthy colony of bees and relocate them to a place that's safer for the bees to continue to do their important work and so you know I don't know if you saw me light up when you mentioned that I do bee removals it's my favorite thing to do as a beekeeper um, I love going into these spaces and seeing how bees build in their natural environment with no human interaction or interference and the goal of every bee removal is to collect as many bees as possible, collect the queen, bring her to a safe space, and give them any resources they need to do what they're gonna do. Now are those, uh, those are gonna be native bees or honey bees? So, or what's, or, or some of, all of the above or, or what? So honey bees are the bees that I primarily work with and they are not native to Texas or to the US. A lot of the bees that I keep are European bees. Most of them are Italian. And, um, you know, the bees that I'm removing, they're honey bees, so they're not native to Texas or to the U.S. Okay. So um, we took a lovely stroll when we first got here around your property. We met the doggies and we met the chickens. <laughs> um, and we walked by the native beehive. And tell me, about, tell me about the discovery and the realtor pointing that out and kind of what your observations have been about that. Sure, so I am so lucky to have a wild hive. They're not native bees, they're honeybees in there, but it's a wild hive on the property. And when we saw this property the first time, um, the woman who lived here and redid the house, she was also a realtor, so she was the one showing us around the land. And we were very excited. We loved the house, we loved the land. And as we were walking to the river, the Colorado River, which is right in our backyard, she mentioned that we might not want to walk down to the river where our river access point is. And I said, why is that? And she said, well, there's a live beehive in that log right by the steps to the river. And, you know, I was trying to kind of keep my cards close to my chest. We were very excited about everything we had seen up to that point. And when she said there was that live beehive, I mean, it just sealed the deal, you know, knowing that bees had chose to live here um you don't, a lot. Want to, you don't want to yell out we'll take it <laughs> right <laughs> but that moment held a lot, of, a lot of significance for me because i just felt like if the bees chose to live here then you know um, it would be a good space to bring more hives to so how do you know they're honeybees the the wild ones how do you, how do you know i watch them almost every day I, I go out there and you know i've seen bees fly out of their entrance and um, they're clearly honeybees, and I love going down there to observe that wild hive just because it's such a good reminder that, you know, the bees are going to do this with or without me, and they're 
really the best beekeeper, they know more than I'll ever know. So um, it's fun to see that hive and how it changes throughout the year and how it changes with no human interference too. Okay, so I mentioned, we've just gotten into this, right? So, you know, Bill and I were reading a lot, we're watching videos, we've met some beekeepers in the uh, Fort Worth area where we live. And my observation is, is there's many, as many philosophies and approaches to beekeeping as there are beekeepers. So having said that, what is your philosophy? Absolutely, and may I just say too how impressed I am with your knowledge, Lydia, and with yours, Bill, who's sitting right here. <laughs> Y'all are great beekeepers already, but yeah, for, you know, there's an old adage among beekeepers that if you ask three beekeepers a question, you'll get five different answers. And it's true, you know, everybody has their own way of doing things, their own philosophies about keeping bees, and I think, for me, my philosophies has cha have changed throughout the course of my beekeeping journey. I've been beekeeping for about 10 years and, um, you know, it, it, it's been eye-opening and I learned so much from the bees and from fellow beekeepers every day. But, you know, in general, I really like to kind of let the bees do their thing. I like to listen to the bees, have them tell me what they need. When I go into a hive and if you know, I see something as a miss, or if there's a certain, you know, problem in the hive, I try to think about what can I give the bees to solve this problem on their own versus what can I do to, to solve this problem? You know, it's, it's up to the bees to do what they're gonna do naturally, and I just want them to be as healthy and happy so they have all the resources they need to, you know, live, live good lives. So um, I know you're not a scientist and you're not a necessarily an expert, but what can you talk in a general way just about um, the conservation of bees and where we are with bee populations and why people beekeeping is an important piece of it? Absolutely. You know, we've all heard the phrase save the bees and that the bees are in trouble or the populations are in, on the decline. And, you know, bees are suffering from environmental changes that, you know, a lot of other creatures are suffering from. But when we talk about saving the bees and when we talk about the bees that are threatened the most, we're not talking about honeybees necessarily. While honeybees are certainly struggling from things like pesticides or pest and diseases in the beehive, or first and foremost, I would say habitat loss, there are a lot of other native bees and pollinators who are suffering even more. And if there's anything folks can do to help save the bees, it's to plant more pollinator-friendly plants, to plant bee food. Anything you stick in the ground, you know, make sure it's something that can be a food source for, for honeybees or for native bees like carpenter bees and mason bees or other pollinators like butterflies and hummingbirds and bats like you mentioned earlier. Um, but you know, I would say habitat loss is, is probably the biggest thing threatening bees of all types right now. So we were talking earlier, you're gonna do a little habitat restoration here. What are your plans for right in front of your beehives? What yeah, are you absolutely, on doing? I'm super excited. We have about two acres in the front of the house where the beehives are and um, it's all just kind of overgrown. We call it a meadow now, but uh, there isn't a lot of bee food out there. And so um, our plan is to kind of restore it to, you know, um, the native pasture that it should be and also plant a lot of bee food. So we want bee food year round. We want bee food, you know, when 
things aren't necessarily in bloom, you know, in the spring and summer when there's a lot for the bees to feed, but more on the shoulder seasons. Um, so I'm excited about that, and I think, you know, anything we can do to, to restore the land is a good thing. Yeah. You know, there's so many different ways to come at conservation. Mm. I mean, there's so many different doorways to it, whether it's, um, you know, hunting or fishing or hiking or, 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 you know, whatever, you know, keeping bees. There's so many different doorways to it. Um, and of course, your, your doorway and your interest in, in bees is one reason why we, we ask you to be a We Will Not Be Tamed ambassador. So why did you say yes? I am a proud Texan. I love Texas. It's been my home my entire life and I will do whatever I can to help preserve and protect the wild species, the wildlife, the wild places and the habitats of Texas for not only future generations of people, but also future generations of bees. And you've explored quite a bit of that yourself. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the way you like to enjoy the outdoors? Sure, you know, I'm an avid camper. I love fishing. Um, I have an old 1987 Volkswagen Westphalia. My husband has a van. Uh, we're always van camping, you know, in, in different spots around Texas. And uh, there's so much to explore. There's, you know, a great, deal of diversity and it's just so much fun to get in the van and you know wake up in a new spot in Texas. So you're, you're, a, you're a newlywed right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can't I have to mention that you met your husband on Bumble. <laughs> yes I did. <laughs> Actually Lydia I don't know if you know this but he was my very first Bumble date and I was his first Bumble date so I mean just what luck. Yeah, that's awesome. You, you know, sometimes you end up in a place like this and you know you're in exactly the place you're supposed to be, right? <laughs> exactly. So um, what have you got coming up here? Do you have any projects coming up that are in the way or do you just wait for the phone call? Trying to kind of plan 2021 as much as any of us can right now and try to focus on um, ways that I can, you know, teach the most amount of people about bees um, in a really efficient way so that you know we can change people's minds about not being afraid of them but also hopefully people will start thinking about bees more when they're you know planting things in their yard or choosing things to buy at the grocery store and going organic and uh, doing whatever we can to help the bees. And of course one of the ways you're doing that in, uh, in a most incredible way is through social media and I, I've kind of read about you, I've seen the videos on TikTok that millions upon millions of people <laughs> have seen. Um, and you're almost like a reluctant social media maven. <laughs> I mean, tell me a little bit about that. It has been a very weird experience, um, you know, to kind of go viral and have a lot of eyes and attention this year. Um, you know, I don't feel that comfortable sharing, you know, personal details, and I really wish it was more focused on just the bees, and that's always the goal. But, you know, it's it's been incredible that so many people have such an interest in the work that I do or in in bees themselves. So, you know, I have a lot more content that I just haven't put together. It takes time, and it's it's funny because I have had such success on social media. I think a lot of people automatically think that, you know, I'm like an influencer or a creator and all I'm doing is producing this content and that is at the bottom of my to-do list. You know, I'm showing people what I do on a normal Tuesday and I'm setting my 
old iPhone 7 up on a rock and filming it. You know, there's no <laughs> special tricks or, or crew involved or I don't have any help. And so... But your background's communications, right? It is, yes. Um, okay. So I, I feel very lucky that, you know, um, in my previous career I was a communications director and I feel like I have these unique skills that allow me to share the story of bees and beekeepers really well that maybe some of my other fellow beekeepers don't have. Um, and I think that's certainly helped you know, with all the social media attention that I've received this year, but... Um, it's not the tail wagging the dog. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just so happy that people are interested in, in the work of bees and beekeepers. Um, you know, at first, just showing people removal videos of me doing bee removals, and everybody was really shocked to see me do that work, and sometimes without wearing any protective beekeeping gear on, um, I thought, well, that's all people want to see. Surely they don't want to just learn about bees, but you know, some of those videos I've posted about a queen bee, they'll get 20 million views. And so that's super exciting to me to post a video where I'm nowhere in the video and I'm just talking about bees and to have that strong reaction um, has, has been really encouraging too. Well, it's also reaching the next generation, which is awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, we appreciate you letting us uh, come and join you today. Thank and I you. Wanna, we want to follow you along. We want to see as that as you restore your, your habitat here and maybe join you for some of your bee removal so um, you know where to find us. <laughs> well, thank you all so much. It's such a privilege uh, to be part of this and, and to help the foundation and I'm really grateful. Thanks. Thank you. Brought to you by Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, We Will Not Be Tamed calls us all to appreciate the wildness of Texas, the vastness of our Texas spirit, and why we should be inspired to conserve it. Find out more at wewillnotbetamed.org.